0: I can only imagine what I would do just to be able to be in the presence of Almighty God. Isn't it amazing to think that we get the great privilege of being His children and how He looks out for us and His, He's faithful to us. And, and not only that, that uh, we receive the glory of the Lord around us. I've been praying about what to preach on this week. And we are embarking upon a season of reflection. And that reflection is the suffering of Christ. And yet, I've been going back and forth, how do I do this? And with this move and everything going on, it, it feels like I'm kind of out of sorts. And uh, But I know that it'll all come together. And today we're going to be talking about... Uh, The man, the calling and the breakthrough and his name is Noah. But before we do that, let's do our Bible decree and uh, we'll start off our service claiming that we are so thankful to have the word of God with us and that we can use it, embrace it, hide it in our hearts. So let's say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hallelujah. Take your Bible, if you would, please, and turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. A grandchild sitting on her grandfather's lap listening to the Bible story of Noah's ark asked, Were you in the ark, Grandpa? He chuckled and replied, Why, no, I wasn't. There was a pause, and the child looked up at him quizzically. Try to say that this time in the morning. Quizzically, and asked, "Then why weren't you drowned?" Okay, Genesis chapter six. I, you know, it is what it is, right? Verse one. Then the people. Began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. Sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. In verse 3, then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days, and for some time after, giant. Nephilites lived on the earth for whenever the sons of god had intercourse with women They gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times The lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw That everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil So the lord was sorry. He had ever made them and put them on the earth It broke his heart And the lord said I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Verse 9, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man and only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let me bring your attention back to verse 9 where it says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Now, I want to just bring your attention to, I don't know what you had, but I'm, I'm going to bring it up in the KJV because I liked what it says in, in verse uh, 8 of Genesis chapter 6. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the first occurrence in the Bible that says that there was favor with man. And then if you go right over to 12, and it says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And yet God found favor with this man. And I like that it says in verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. The Bible says that Noah was a just man, a perfect man. He was blameless in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for today's message. Lord, I pray that you'll speak in me, through me. Lord, speak into our hearts. Help us to walk holy, for you are holy. Encourage us today, Lord, as we look into this scripture and realize, Lord, what we need to do in our sinful state, Lord. And I know for myself, Lord, I just want to be found in your favor. I want to know that, Lord, I'm walking with you and I'm talking with you, as the old hymn says, and to know that it's important for each and every one of us to live a holy and righteous life. Please, Father God, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Someone once wrote an article that said, everything I need to know about life I learned from Noah's ark. So here are 11 things that the author had learned. One, don't miss the boat. Remember that we are all in the same boat. Plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Four, stay fit. When you are 500 years old, someone might ask you to do something really big. The reality to that is that God's not in the retirement market. Number five, don't listen to critics. Just get the job done. Build your future on high ground. For safety's sake, travel in pairs. Speed isn't always an advantage. The snails were on board with the cheetahs. Number nine, when, you stre- when you're stressed, float a while. Remember, the ark was built by amateurs, but the Titanic was built by professionals. No matter the storm, when you're with God, there's always a rainbow awaiting. One of the most widely known stories of Scripture is the story we're going to look at this morning. Even people who have, ever, or who have never read a verse of Scripture have heard the story of Noah's Ark. It ranks up there with David and Goliath. It ranks up there with Daniel and the lion's den. Many of us love the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children. And with all those stories, I know with my daughters, many of them love those stories. There's something neat about an old man who built a huge ship on dry ground to house two of every kind of animal in preparation for the greatest storm in history. A greatest storm that anybody has ever seen. There's something spectacular about that. There's something memorable about 40 days and 40 nights. There's something about a ship that landed on top of a mountain that sticks in your mind. And it is a great story of the Scriptures. The good thing is that it... This story isn't just a story. It's not just made up like a fairy tale. And it it isn't a nice little legend to tell the kids. The story of Noah's Ark is completely true. And history has proven itself. And it is a story that has a lesson for adults. In fact, I believe there are several lessons that we can learn from the story. Not the least of which is the lesson of complete obedience can you imagine being 500 years old and hearing god say okay get up and build a boat I know there's no water anywhere near here, but if it's going to rain I know you've seen rain before but there's going to be a lot of it Another lesson we could gather is that of complete faith Can you imagine not only agreeing to build a boat at the age of 500? How many of you are tired at the age of 40 50 60 70 80? 80 For some of you that are 90, I know. I mean, it's tiring. 500 years old. It's crazy every time I read this story. And we won't look at Jewish calendars and all that kind of stuff. But also continuing to to, to build that boat for 100 years in the midst of ridicule and scoffing. There's no water. What are you building a boat for? Fool. Rain? What's rain? Rain? You think that thing is going to keep you safe from a bunch of water that's supposed to flood the whole world? Yeah. Noah was a great man of obedience and faith. But this morning I'm not going to direct our focus to those things about this story. But I want to direct your attention to one short verse towards the beginning of this whole story. I want to talk about an aspect of this story that maybe we haven't said a whole lot about when it comes to Noah's Ark. I want you to look at Genesis 6-9 here. And I believe is a verse that summarizes what Noah's all about. Let me read it to you again. Starting in the middle of the verse, it says, Noah was a just man and a perfect man. He was righteous in his generations. And it says that Noah walked with God. One of the hardest things, I think, for, for many of us Christians, and I'm just going to make this applicable for all of our lives, Is to do something knowing that people are always going to question and doubt what you're doing. You know, in my Christian life, I can go all the way back to when I was a teenager. I can go back to when I was a child. I can go back to many people saying to me, Todd, are you sure that you were called into the ministry? You know, do you really believe in the Christ of the cross? You know, who is this Jesus that you serve? We're always questioned and people want to see evidence. One of the great Great, great stories that I have been able to, to experience is just hanging out at this church. And, and I mean this. If you've been there and you've been working in this, uh, in, in this building, in this ark, to say the least, I want to thank all of you because you have done a lot in one month's time. I mean that with all. I could not have done this without you. This church is amazing. You know, people will say, why are they building Why are they growing? If you can't fill the church you're in, why would you go there? Why would Noah build an ark? What were people thinking? They'd never seen a drop of rain. But what we noticed from Noah was that there was faith. He he and his family think this through. We have 85 faithful people. 85 faithful people. And if you just take your life, one person, you can double it to 170 like that. That's one person that you leave an impact on, that you move by faith, that you start to do something great, that God starts to use you because he said, I'm going to take this church and we're going to move them over to Talmadge, Ohio. I don't know who's in Talmadge, Ohio. I don't know what hurts, habits, hangups. I don't know what's happened, but I do know this. That we had a young man yesterday, his name is Landon, who visited our church. And he said, can I help? And we opened up the doors. And maybe it was just yesterday. And if Landon, if you're listening, and he told me, I've been listening to your messages, we want to say we are blessed that you came and helped us. He walked up the driveway, said, can I help for the day? That's what ministry's about. Maybe if we just look at one person, all God was trying to do in the life of Noah was to say, Noah, I'm trying to move you by faith. That's all I'm trying to do is to, to have you to experience what many cannot see. I'm going to come back. We are in a bad place. We are in a bad time. When Christians can't get along, we're in a bad place. We're in a bad time. Church, listen to me. We are in a bad, bad way. America, the world, Islam is growing by leaps and bounds. Don't think for one minute. There was a time when Africa, when Europe, when there were countries that there was no trace of them. They're growing faster than Christianity because Christians can't get along. Reality is this. We've got to get our head back in the game. And if you're going to be a part of Team Jesus, then we've got to get our head in the game. We have to realize that Satan is after us, church. And he hates this message today. He's out to destroy me, my wife, my kids, your life, your influence. It's over. But we know that with God all things are possible. And when when Noah said, you know what, I know it's corrupt. You heard, I just read the Scriptures. It was in a bad way, in a bad time. Noah, who was he going to rely on? How was he going to get gopher wood to these places? How do you build an ark that I think in my notes it says here, yeah, I don't know, 30 cubics. I mean, all the, the dimensions of their stuff are right here in the Scripture, and I'm not even going to dive into that this morning. But when you build something so massive, you think, how can you do it? And when I look at this church and we walked in, I love that all of you went by faith because you saw the handprint of God and you said, we're going to fix this church up and we're going to be ready for all those little people to flood the lawn of 226 Southeast Avenue. We have a story to share. We have a message to share. We have hope. And church, if we just give up, then we don't fulfill the will of God in our lives. God called me to start a church 13, almost 14 years ago. That calling didn't stop. It took him 100 years to build an ark. I'll probably be dead. I don't know that I even want to live to be 100 years old. But I know this, that what you're doing right now, today, sitting in the service, giving, praying, praying, Uh, crying out, whatever your gifting is and however you've contributed that God is using you and you are in the center of his will. Just like Noah when he said, here am I, Lord, use me. There are three things this morning in this verse that tells us a great deal about Noah. And in this short little sentence, I believe we can gain a deeper understanding of how we should live our life. Number one, Noah's Commendation Noah's Commendation First of all, I believe this verse shows us Noah's commendation It tells us that Noah was a just man Did you realize that Noah was the only figure In the entire Old Testament To, refer, to be referred to As a just Man Obviously, there were many others who were But I think it's quite interesting that Noah's the only one referred to As Just Noah was also called a perfect man. That's quite a compliment. That's quite a commendation. Now, I don't want to open a can of Christian perfection worms. That's for another time in a sermon, probably a sermon series. But what does it mean that he was just and perfect? Does that mean that he had achieved a level of never failing? Does it mean that he was completely faultless? Does it mean that he never sinned? No, it doesn't mean that. For since the fall of Adam, there's only been one who was completely faultless. Only one who was unfailing. Only one who never sinned. And his name was Jesus Christ. Noah was human. He wasn't mistake free. And I have no doubts that he had committed sin at some point in his life. And I think it's easy for people who just get saved to have false expectations. There are a lot of young Christians who get awfully discouraged spiritually and are maybe even tempted to quit trying to be a Christian all because they have this faulty notion in their minds that once they get saved, they're all of the sudden going to be perfect. They think that once they've been saved, they'll never have to struggle with sin again. They think that since they've been saved, they're beyond Satan's reach. They'll never have to worry about falling or failing again. And There's a completely false notion there. I think there are even those who are seeking entire sanctification or have been entirely sanctified who feel that they won't even have to worry about being tempted anymore. But those are completely false ideas. They're wrong ideas. Getting saved, being sanctified for that matter, doesn't make you infallible. It doesn't make you untouchable. It doesn't make you incapable of sinning again. You are not made perfect in the sense that you are unbreakable now. You are not made just in the sense that you are completely faultless. So what does it mean to be just and perfect? Or to be just in the sense that Noah was is to be lawful, to be righteous, to be right. We all heard that in small group this morning. To be correct. To be righteous in your conduct or character. I like what John Wesley said, that Noah had right dispositions and principles implanted in him. He was righteous in his lifestyle. He was an upright and blameless man. He was perfect in the sense that he was sincere in his desire and in his efforts to please God. He was perfect in the sense that he loved God with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and all of his strength. And he loved his neighbor as himself. He has allowed that love to direct his conduct. Now that's one commendation that I want to receive. I want to be known as a man who loves perfectly, who may have slipped up at times and who may not have achieved complete perfection, but who always loved God completely and loved my neighbor selflessly and who always let my life be directed by that love. That's the kind of commendation I want to receive when I stand before God at the last day. That was Noah's commendation. I know that people will say to me all the time, Pastor, I watched these people come to church. They got in the baptismal waters. They got saved, baptized, and we've never seen them. They were gone forever, never to be heard of, never to walk the ways of the Lord ever again. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection to walk in the newness of life. Church, we're here to say that we want God to accommodate all of us. But we can't do that unless you're living a holy, righteous life. You need to walk in Christ. You walk in spirit and in truth. Today we said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Number two, Noah's challenge. Number two, Noah's challenge. But not only do we see Noah's commendation, we see his challenge as well. For that verse says that he was perfect in his generations. Now, I don't know if you remember a lot about Noah's generation, but it was not a good one. In fact, it was a very, very wicked one. Let me just tell you how wicked it was by reading you the verses prior to that verse or to that text in verses 5 through 7. And again, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the year. For it repenteth, as the scripture says in the KJV, he regretted that he had made them. That's what it says. He regretted that that ever took place. Noah was living in an evil day. So you better believe it was a challenge for him to be an upright man when he was the only one to be that way. He had no benefits of going to church. He had no Christian fellowship to enjoy. He had no building to fix up other than an ark with a a few of his family members. He had no accountability or prayer partners. He had no small group get-togethers to enjoy. He was the only one who was serving God. He and his family. There was no one else. So I'm going to ask you, do you think that would be easy? Think about it, church. Nobody else. No one else around you just... You, everybody else is living an evil life. People are looking at you going, you're a joke. So you serve a God that told you, to, you are, that guy is crazy. He's a nut job. Would you stand alone? Would you stand alone? Do you think he had no temptation to give up and just be like everybody else? Absolutely. Have you ever heard of peer pressure? You know, psychology books are filled with studies that demonstrate the power of peer pressure. Let me show you. One classic study that I think really illustrates my point involved a classroom of teenagers. On the board in the front of the class were three charts with a series of lines of varying lengths on each. The teacher instructed the students to each raise his or her hand when he pointed to the longest line on each chart. What one student didn't know was that the other nine had been instructed ahead of time to raise their hands for the next to the longest line. Now watch. When the teacher pointed to the shorter line and nine students raised their hands choosing it as the longest line, the lone student would glance around, put his or her head down. And most of the time, he would reluctantly raise his hand, even though it was obviously the wrong choice. The same result happened about 75% of the time. It was the same with the young children and even other teenagers. Peer pressure is a real thing. We don't like to be the only ones who do something or don't do something. And I think we're dead wrong if we think that teenagers are the only ones who are Susceptible Granted older folks sometimes have a high enough level Of commitment that they are willing to tough it out But I really don't think it's easy for anyone But Noah stood alone In a world of wickedness He stood as the only righteous man Again John Wesley said this It is easy to be religious when religion is in fashion But it is an evidence of strong faith To swim against the stream And to appear for To appear for God when no one else appears for him. Let me say this to you again. It is easy to be religious when religion is in fashion. But it is an evidence of strong faith to swim against the stream. And to appear for God when no one else appears for him. Wow. How right he was. But the thing of it is, I believe sometimes we find it hard enough to stand up for our faith. When we do, we have many others To stand with us. Church, how many of you have been disappointed with yourself because you didn't take a stand like you should have, because you didn't really want to look silly or to cause a controversy or whatever the reason may have been? We find it hard to stand sometimes. We have many Christians surrounding us, but Noah had no one. That was his challenge. He was a just man, and he was the only just man in his entire generation. This past week, I'm going to compare. The, the reason why I started thinking about this was because I was thinking of three points of Noah's life. And God just, I was walking through the church, and I thought, you know, God, Many of our church members don't realize what it was like to have 27 people on a deck. Yeah, so there's Debbie and Leslie, myself, Debbie Winter. Rest, I'm trying to think with Tim, Mark, Becky. I'm trying to think of the adults. But out of 27 people, you had 12 adults. I'd have to go look at the picture. Pardon me? Bob and Don. Yeah. Do you think 12 adults? Probably. Yeah, 12, 14 adults. You know what I heard 14 years ago? They'll not do it. They can't do it. What are they thinking? What? Every week, that's all I've heard. Every week, that's all we heard. Oh, they're going to fail. Church, I'm here to tell you today, I will fail you. But he'll never fail you. The church will continue to keep going as long as God has an anointing and His Spirit is rich and real. And it doesn't matter if there's 14 adults or if there's 85 adults. It doesn't matter, but God wants to use us to do a great work. And the obstacle is real. It has always been there. People are always saying, you know what, hey, you'll never do it. The challenges in life are real on a personal level. Our walk in Christ, it's real you're going to be faced with it on a daily basis to stay as strong and focused as you possibly can because of all of the distractions that life has to offer. It's real, folks. And even Noah, it said in his time that it was a wicked generation. And yet, we're in a time in our life where it's a wicked generation. But do you understand that just like those That were watching. They were scratching their heads. But let me tell you. For many they knew. That there was a powerful God. They may not have believed it. Because popularity didn't allow them. Because their humanistic sinful nature. They just couldn't do it. Do you stand alone? Can you stand alone? Can you be a lighthouse for Christ? When people walk in. We had a lady that visited yesterday. She says I've been watching I loved, I mean, when, when we finally, I got the nerve to do a video and to say, this is what's happening. This was this week. And my daughter ended up making a little video. But with all that being said, that now all of a sudden I'm getting inbox messages and text messages and emails. I didn't know you were moving. Well, we didn't know we were moving. It wasn't something that was premeditated. God spoke. We listened. Isn't that wonderful? I think that's wonderful. So we have to move on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And, and when, when the Holy Spirit starts to move, we need to get on that train. And it doesn't matter if we don't have the mega church on the hill or the mega church in the valley. God used one man, his name was Noah. Do you see the comparison? God is using you. I applaud you, church. God is using you greatly to do an amazing work for him. I'm going to see souls saved. I'm going to see lives changed. I'm going to see hope for the hurting. I'm going to see help for those that need healed. God is on the move. I don't worry about this church. Steve and I've talked about it, Hey, it's a bill. No different than any other bill in the world. Oh, but my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My father owns many mansions. Because if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. That where I am, there you will be also. See, he's not intimidated. Let's accept the challenge. Let's not let any distraction. Let's plow through. Let that woman run through this church and says, I'm just excited. She even said yesterday, I want to help. Okay, we're here every night. Come and help. We love that. Let people see from the community. How many of you have been there? See people drive in and drive out of the parking lot. <laughs> You've seen it. It's amazing, because we're just a church. So we got to take down a big, huge pine tree, just so that people can see the steeple. And inside there are, I won't go back to that message. I just, I'll, I'll leave that alone. But we have to realize that. That God is moving. I'm going to give you my last point, and then we're going to move on. Noah's characteristic. So Noah accepted the challenge. And now we see Noah's characteristic. Can we click on the heat? Is it a little chilly in here? We're good in the middle. Praise the Lord. I think the temperature is a little warmer over here, honey. You know, when my wife says I'm cold, I need to do something. And uh, you don't have to worry about that. That's just for the AC. All right, point number three, Noah's characteristic. So how did he do it? What was the trick to his ability to stand when no one else was standing? And so I believe the answer to that question can be found in the last part of this verse and what I'm calling Noah's characteristic. The last word of Genesis 6-9, you guys can see it here, Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. The secret to know his ability to stand blamelessly in a generation of wickedness can be summed up in those four words, he walked with God. His secret was found in his living relationship with Almighty God. Do you want to know how you can live pleasing to God in such a wicked society as ours? Do you want to know the secret to walking blamelessly before God in a time such as this? Do you want to know how to be successful in your attempt to be found perfect in the sight of Of God. The secret is found in your communion with God. If you are are ashamed of the way you have backed down from your call to be a witness. If you are wondering why you aren't just struggling with temptation. But you find yourself consistently failing. If you can't figure out why it's so hard for you to be a Christian. Ask yourself this question. Am I walking with God? Am I walking with God? A relationship is something that takes time. It's something that takes energy. My wife will agree with this. If I really want to please my wife, then I have to be willing to spend time with her each day. Her love language is quality time. And I must be willing to make the effort to find out what she would like from me. And if I don't spend time with her, if I don't do what it takes to know her, then I'm going to find myself wondering a lot about how I can make her happy. But if I do spend time with her and I'm walking with her, then I'm doing what it takes to know her. And I don't have to wonder near as much. If I'm not building a relationship with her, it's no wonder I don't know what she expects. And it's no wonder that I'm not being a very satisfactory husband. The only way that I can be a good husband to her is to walk with her. And it's the same thing with God. If we aren't taking the time and putting in the effort that is necessary to know God, then we will no doubt find ourselves coming up short of his expectations. If we aren't building a relationship with him, then it's no wonder we aren't living blamelessly before him. And it's no wonder that we aren't standing for him like we should. If we aren't walking with him, it's no wonder that we find it difficult to maintain our spiritual footing. And it's no wonder... That we find it very, very easy to fall. So in closing, I say this. You see, it's in walking with God that we find power. That we find our power. The power to overcome temptation. The power to do what God wants us to do. The power to stand in an unholy age It's in walking with God that we find our direction. It's in walking with God that we find our purpose. It's in walking with God that we find our safety. Think about it. If Noah hadn't been walking with God, he wouldn't have recognized God's voice by telling him to build an ark. And as a direct result of that, he would have perished with the rest of the world in the flood. But he had walked with God and he had recognized God's voice. And as a result, he and his entire family was saved. There's safety and walking with God. Hallelujah. We had a moment this week where we were a little nervous. I'm talking to Steve on the phone and saying that he's in refrigeration and furnace and HVAC and I know it's in the commercial line. He and I were Yes, just thinking about the cost of a new boiler. That's what anybody does that, that does the books. There was times when George and I were concerned, but yet we put our faith and trust in God. And we had to, we had to realize that God is, is constantly on the move. And that He's big enough to take care of us. And, and this was no coincidence at all. That Steve called me up and he's like, "Hey, um, I want to let you know that I left. I sent you an email and this is what's going on, so forth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera." Long story short, he said my dad uses Brandon Heating and Cooling. Then I ended up calling them and let's go ahead and have them come out. I said, "Great idea, let's do this." And um, and and more than anything, it was cool because I, I was so praying that I wanted Steve because I know in his prayer time and in my prayer time we wanted just to see God's hand on it and Ron Sr., who was here with me when they came to repair it. But, you know, when, when you're doing so much, I don't know why we even have to doubt or worry about it, because, remember, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow shall worry about itself. And so while he was on the phone, the gentleman says, oh, what church you go to? He said, New Hope. He goes, oh, what's your pastor's name? Pastor Todd, I know him. Steve told me that, and I'm like, what's his name? Harold?" I go, oh, Harold Hayes? And so it was exciting. I got on the phone, talked to him for about an hour. And Harold came out. He is the owner. He was at another place for 25 years. It was father-in-law's business. They bought it. And I just want to say a, a great big thank, thank you to a, a wonderful guy, wonderful family. We've known them for years. They've been here to hear Schaefer Band. Uh, he, his sister, and his family, his parents, I mean, they've all been here. And um, so he came in. he looked at it and he goes, let's, let's just do this. Let's wait till Wednesday, Thursday, till we get the guy who's the the specialist with boilers. I said, I'm willing to wait. And so he ended up coming in. He walked right over, just as calm as can be. We got this. I said, you what? We got this. And so, you know, they were here for the day, hanging out, repairing this, fixing that, doing this, doing that, replacing wires, thermal couplers, pumps, switches, air this, air... I don't have a clue what... I just was trying to memorize it as he was telling me and I'm like well this bill's going to be $1510 it came out to be $510 (laughs) hallelujah because you see God takes care of his people and when God says to do something and we listen and we move on it and we recognize the voice of God and we use people in our life it takes all of us to do what needs to be done but I didn't say to Steve, Steve, listen, I already talked to one guy. He said it's, it's done for. Well, obviously, he didn't know who he was talking about. And on top of it, Jesus did some healing on that boiler. And that's what I'm going to believe. in between that time and this time, you know, praise the Lord. The secret to our spiritual success, the secret to our being... Commended by God. The secret to our fulfilling God's plan for us. The secret for our ability to stand in the midst of wickedness is found in walking with God. Noah walked with God. I want to be a church where we're walking with God. That wasn't coincidental. Nothing was coincidental. I'm tiptoeing through this building. As the fire marshal's going through here and I'm kind of watching from a distance. You guys like my fancy signs I put up? Want to make sure we put up our fancy, you know... Everybody, if there's a fire, go this way or out that door. And uh, just like the airline, this way, that way. Find yourself that way and run for your life. Dive out the windows. You know, anyhow. But reality is when you walk with God, you find favor with people. We passed our fire inspection, which is great when it comes to, to selling a building. Because we have to do what we're called to do. He says, if you're faithful with little, I'll be faithful to bless you with much. This morning I want to be someone of whom when my life story is written the author is able to say Todd was a just man and perfect in his generations and Todd walked with God. That's the way I want to live my life and that's how I want to be remembered. And I want people to remember that wait a minute new hope they were just people and perfect throughout all the years that I blessed their life a new hope walked with God that's the way I want people to remember us but church we live in a generation where you don't have to buckle to peer pressure you don't have to to yield to negativity oh because our God is greater and our God is stronger And our God is more powerful. And you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. So as I bring this message to this close, today we have seen, Noah had some commendations. He faced some challenges and had godly character. But listen, church, when you walk with God, He is there with you. He's there for you. Henry Ford said, Those who walk with God always reach their destination. The greatest evangelist, Dwight L. Moody, said, If I walk with the world, I can't walk with God. Ephesians 2.10 reads, For we are His creation created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Deuteronomy 8.6 says, Observe the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. In 1 John 2 6, the one who says he resides in God ought himself to walk just as Jesus walked. When we walk with the Lord, we draw closer to the Lord with all our heart. He becomes our focus. Our hearts long for him. Our hearts seek his presence. And our desire to have fellowship with Christ and be like Him will grow while our worldly desires will decrease. I just want to thank God for giving me the experiences of this earthly life to know He's been faithful. And I'm thankful for the challenges that God has presented to me. But He's been faithful. And I'm thankful that in a wicked generation that He's been faithful. And I'm thankful that just like many told Noah, why would you build an ark? We've never even seen a drop of water. Our God is faithful. And He was faithful to us to accept us and our sinful nature when He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to give us life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, come and know who He is. Accept the challenge. Accept coming to know and being born again, living a life in Christ. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Salvation message has not, not changed two thousand years. Would you come to him today? Accept his challenge. Understand his accommodations and walk in his spirit. Let's all stand. Father, we love you and we thank you that today we can come before you with a grateful heart. Lord, this morning I'm reminded of the the text that says that, Lord, you are our portion. When we come before you hungry, we seek you. And God, I, I know that we face many challenges, many challenges ahead. But if you are for us, who shall be against us? So God, I thank you for the, the hands, the feet, the knowledge, the prayers, the offerings, the food, the love that has been poured out in this past month. God as I sat and reflected last evening, putting my thoughts to paper and understanding, Lord, that the challenges are going to be real. they're not going to be any different than the 13 years that we experienced here on Riverside Drive. They're going to be real. But God, we know, and may we never forget, that in the days ahead, Lord, the challenges will be there. But Lord, we also realize that you're for us. So God, help us to stay focused on you. To walk with you. Challenge your church to to be a church that that wants to just seek your face. Not your hands. Not what we can get, but how we can give. Father, it's going to be a busy weekend as you already know. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Easter weekend. God, In the 14 years, I dedicate that weekend to you so that we can continue to to be a lighthouse to the Talmadge community. God, thank you for those that even drive in here and for the, the impact, Lord, and the things we've done just here in North Hill, Ohio. So God, use this congregation to fulfill your will. Father, we're here to build your kingdom. And we'll take as many... Even if it's just two by two by two. Bless your church. We accept the call. In your name we pray.